Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We ask that in your power, by the power of the Spirit, that we might be come, I guess, to an understanding, but not just an understanding, to, to a desire to live in a way that would be pleasing to you. And we ask that in your power. We, we know we cannot do it without you. In Christ's name, amen. How many of you in life are really good sprinters? I mean, some of you may be. You may be really good for a short run, you know. Uh, we always have family kind of gatherings, and sometimes my younger brother will uh, race his son, and it's uh, they'll get on, you know, they'll run, and, and it'll be a sprint. And it's just like, uh, it's so intense. I think I would never do that if my son was like, what is Nate? Nate, are you almost 15 or something like that? I think, yeah. I was, I'm like, man, you got to be kidding me. But, I mean, if it was like, okay, let's do like a cross-country run, I'm sure that my brother would kind of bow out, you know? Because it, it's, uh, it's different to, to, like, to think about like a marathon. For some of us, when you think about uh, your life, you think like, man, I'm a great starter and not a great finisher. Uh, or I am uh, really good at yeah doing something for a week, but make me commit to a, a, a month or a year. I, I, I'm not committing that far. Well, the Christian life is a lifetime commitment. It is, it is, it is something that you say with that journey. It is all the way to the end. That's the way we see it. That's the way we understand it. That's the way the writer of Hebrews understands it. It is not. A, a moment that is that that's kind of like oh yeah I believed in Jesus but I don't believe in him the rest of my life you know it, it is a whole life commitment and we know that to be true and that requires grit it, it just does it, it's a long run it's something that you're going to do uh, all the way through now you say yeah but are you going to trip up at times yes but but you still are running this race and if you're not running the race you are not with Christ walking with Christ is not oh I walked with Christ and now I'm not it's not that it is it is a lifetime of running with him focusing your eyes on him he blazed a trail he modeled endurance he empowers us uh, by the spirit that we might run. Now, um, you might say, does God uh, make it easy for us to run the race? Uh, for some of you, you might say, well, I don't know. How does that work? Does God always make it an easy r road for us? The reality is, is that as we run this race, the Lord is carrying us through and guiding us through a lot of different things. And, and He's doing so because in His discipline, He is producing holiness in you. God has goals for you to be conformed to the image of His Son, and He does that by uh, causing us to kind of keep going forward. And you're kind of lazy sometimes about your spiritual life. Let's all be honest. I am too, and you're thinking, like, I'm not really exercising spiritually. 
And so when you get lazy along the way, which you inevitably will, God is working things in your life to draw you back to Him and to keep you moving forward. It's just how He works. And so the Lord is good to us in that, like a father, as we will see today, who wants his child to grow up into maturity, uh, so the Heavenly Father desires for you to grow in maturity, and by doing so, He is going to push you forward, guide you forward, lead you forward, inspire you, confront things, all that stuff. And uh, with an earthly father, there's a point where you're like, hey, if it hasn't worked so far, like, we kind of, there's a time, right? With the heavenly father, all along the way, he is moving you forward. And so it's important for us to see that and understand that and know that it's how it works. The Christian life is a marathon. The journey feels very long sometimes. You'll look back oh, when you're older and say, man, life passes by so quick. But in the moment, you're like, this is overwhelming. That's just reality. And so what is God doing? He is working out in us. Uh, he is transforming us into the image of His Son. He, he is causing us to become a holy people, and he does so uh, through discipline. And so we should just know this is going to be a long race, and he's guiding us and directing us and that kind of thing. So I think it's important just to see that. Last week we said that faith is what has always marked out God's people, and that faith manifests itself in you living an obedient life. Is the life of faith an easy life? Hebrews 11 says no. It's not an easy life. It is a long journey of striving together with God, and it's not an easy life. Perseverance is not easy when you are living in a fallen world. Now, like today we're saying, legitimate children should expect to encounter in their faith journey, if you want to call it, in their faith marathon run, you should expect to encounter various struggles in your life. And know that those struggles are coming from the hand of a loving Heavenly Father. Do, do you get that? They are coming from His hand. You, you could say, and people will say it this way sometimes, like, nothing I face in life, nothing I have faced in life, is not first sifted through His hands. What, what do they mean by that? They're saying, listen, your Heavenly Father has a purpose in mind for you. That is to make you holy. And in the process of doing that, you are going to encounter various struggles for your good because he loves you and because he's a good father. He's driving you forward and moving you forward towards glory. And the pathway is trouble. And so we just have to know that. We have to kind of get with that. And for some of us, we might say, I thought God was like, Santa, I just kind of like do kind of what I want to do and think I'm really good and expect him to show up with presents. And it's like, uh, well, hold on just a second. Get a view of God, and that's what we're trying to do today. So let's kind of think in those terms. If you're a legitimate child, you will encounter various struggles. They come from the hand of our Heavenly Father who is for 
his glory and our good he's accomplished in his purposes. So the first thing in verses 1 through 3, run with endurance. That, that's kind of the idea. Just run with endurance. Like the race set before you. Now what does he say in Hebrews 12? In 12, 1 and 2, he starts in verse 1, he says, hey, there's all these witnesses. And they are in the stands. And as we said last week, those witnesses are the Old Testament saints that, saints that ran. And, and they're not people that are looking at you and saying stuff like, uh, you know, we're fans of them. No, I'm not such a fan. Oh, yeah. No, it's people that have run, they've run the race that you can kind of look over into the stands and say, that, that person finished, and that person finished, and that person finished. And as you see them, it's kind of stirring you up to say it's always been that way. That those people, I know what they endured. I've read the pages of Scripture. Now, this visual comes to my mind, and I say, they finished the race, they finished the race, they finished the race. Oh my goodness, that was horrible, that was fearful, that was frightening. Whatever it might be, but they finished. And so I have those witnesses. And, and so when I see them, I, I, I want to say, okay, I want to run. I want to run. I want to strive towards running. I want to run in such a way that would honor the Lord. So what does he say? Since we have these witnesses, let us lay aside every weight. And this let us, we saw that in chapter 10, again here, let us, let us. He's saying corporately, let us lay aside every weight and sin that clings so closely. Have you ever been weighed down? I've told you the story about in my life of carrying decoys and how I went with my brother who I trusted that he really uh, had our good in mind, that he was going to take me to a slough and there would be mallards like falling in. No, he didn't promise me all that. But he said, we're... We're just going to park the boat, walk 200 yards, throw the decoys out, hopefully kill ducks, walk 200 yards back and get in the boat and go home. And what did he do? He led me on a journey that was like eight hours. Like we went to the slough, put the decoys out, put them up. And he's like, what? he said, let's go back. And he started going away. I was like, ah. Uh. I don't know about that. And he's like, no, 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 it's, it's fine. It's this way. And he kept saying that, and we kept circling. We never made it to the boat until he went back to go get it the next day. And along the way, you're wearing waders, you have a gun, you have shells, you have decoys that have weights with them, and you're like, this is insane. And it, it's, it's, it was weighing me down, to say the least. And I think you would say, Sometimes, and I, cause, because I don't, I, I think we have to just remind ourselves, I think the emphasis here in some ways is on sin, but in other ways just reminding you that things weigh you down in this life that hinder your running, that are not always sin, that they might be really good things. You might say, you know what, for my children to run the race, I know I've got to invest some time in their spiritual life, but, I mean, they've got a lot of practices and games right now. And I've got them on seven ball teams at once. I've got five kids on seven ball teams apiece. I don't know what we're, no, not really. But I, I don't know. 
I mean, I don't, but we don't have time. We don't have time. I do not have time to invest in them. What does that do? Those are not bad things, but too many of those things weigh down you running the race. A church can do that. Too many activities, they, it weighs the church down in running the, to run the race. You can have too much stuff, and you think, wait, we have all this stuff. It's all good stuff. It's like, well, hold on just a second. Is it all good stuff? Is it? Are you sure of that? That, that? You just keep adding stuff on and you think that that's all good stuff? Well, it looks like it's weighing you down. And so you got to be careful that things don't weigh you down. Good things. I, was, I heard somebody talking yesterday about how people like, you know, you just start accumulating stuff in your house. And eventually, you don't even want to live there anymore. There's just so much stuff. So you might say, instead of like, you know, getting rid of all this stuff, I'll go take it to a storage building and let them carry my stuff for a while. And then you fill your house up again. It's like all this stuff. You have more and more stuff, and it weighs you down. It gets to a point where you can't put stuff where it needs to go, and you can't do the things you need to do, and you can't walk easily to the places in your house you want to go because you're weighed down. Sometimes it's good things. It's not always bad things that weigh you down. So we overcommit sometimes. We purchase too much stuff. We work too hard. All those things that can weigh you down. But then there's this aspect here of sin can weigh you down. So sometimes it's bad things. Or sometimes it's good things that have become bad things in your life. Where sin weighs you down. I used to hear an older preacher say, Sin takes you farther than you want to go, keeps you longer than you want to stay, costs you more than you want to pay. It was a way of just saying, understand that those things weigh you down. They're hard on your life of running. Fear, which can be a sin, weighs you down. Anxiety can weigh you down. Sorrow can weigh you down. There's some level of that that's coming in this life, but it can become sinful in your life. Desires can weigh you down when they have that when they are, are, are sinful desires that you're holding on to. You may not even be committing the sin, and it can still weigh you down. Why? Because you're constantly thinking about it. You don't want to cast it off, and so you're identifying these things where you're saying, hey, This is weighing me down. The reality is, if you want to run a a race, you can't carry a bunch of extra baggage along. And and that could be in like, if we were running a race, I'd say like, somebody might say to you, your trainer might say, you need to drop 30 pounds. And then they might say, uh, stop carrying around the weighted backpack. Can't run a race that way. Now, you might train in that way at some level, but you can't run a race in that way you're trying to exert the least amount of energy to run the race will um got he he had to get staples in his head this week he's gonna be like thanks for telling me telling him that he would be happy to show you if you want to see but i mean he just he hit his head and they we went over and they put two staples in and and all was well and, and that was good and and Todd and I were talking about it. he's like man I almost need to keep stuff around 
because kids are always doing things, you know, and, I, and it made me think about preparation, and it made me think about, like, how you could almost, uh, you, nothing wrong with having the stuff that you need in that moment, it's great, but I remember going on a trip one time with a group of guys, and uh, these doctors were all going on this canoe trip, so they got together and decided, we're going to have, uh, you know, a safety pack to be able to fix any problem that might happen, and so, uh, one of the doctors uh, that had kind of a sound mind, I think, in this situation, he starts going through what they brought to take on this trip that we were canoeing for a week, and he looked at it and he said, man, there is no way we can carry all that stuff. It'll weigh us down. You don't understand, you're going to carry 60 pounds of like these, all this stuff and take it with us to like, you know, keep us safe or whatever. And anyway, it was funny to me because it was like this, situation where they were with the goal of getting things you know safe they weighed everybody down they were going to just make it so difficult to move forward and so we just have to do that we have to kind of get to that place where we say i've got to i've got to cast off things it's it's getting in the way of me running it it really it, it is and you might say well i don't know what those things are you just need to stop and think maybe you need to go through your credit card statement and say, what's weighing me down? You can, you, maybe you look at your, your calendar and say, what's weighing me down? And you're just trying to put away those things that might be hindering you from running the race. All of us have to do that. And so he says, and let us run with endurance the race set before us. So again, it is, there's nobody here that is, if you are saying, I'm in Christ, you're running the race. You're in the race. You might be over there, you know, dragging your feet, looking around, acting like you're like aimlessly moving around. You're not focused. That you could be doing that, but you're actually in the race. If you're in Christ, you're in the race. You got to cast off the extra weight, and you have to run with endurance. You have to strive and go forward. It's set before you. You must run. Verse two looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. So it's like you've got to keep your eyes somewhere, and the way you do this is like I'm focusing my eyes on Jesus. I am seeing him as the one who is the founder, the creator of this faith, and the perfecter of it. He's accomplished it for us. And so the way you would do that with Hebrews in mind is you say, let me think about everything I've learned about Jesus in Hebrews. I've set my eyes upon him see him, understand who he is, think upon that. And then I also say, just for my own sake, I want to understand, how did he run? He had a race to run. How did he run? Well, in this passage it says, For the joy set before me endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of God. We see him running the race, and we see him a servant, and we see him running the race to the point of death, even death on a cross, we see him exalted to this place, far above all rule and authority. In his race, he ran, he endured great difficulty for the, the sake of his people, and then he was resurrected. And so I can see him, uh, like almost you could say, here are all these Old Testament saints that ran the race, and now beyond all of that, I want to look to Jesus and see him finishing the race. I want to know that he finished it. Sometimes, uh, in your, if you're, let's say you're a mom here today and you have young children, sometimes when you're running the race, you think, man, I'm, this is exhausting. 
You have no idea, and that's the reality. I don't have any idea. And you're thinking about all of these things that are going on, and you think about all the stuff you have to do, and you think, like, when I really start thinking about that, it is so overwhelming. The reality is there's this place you have to get, and you have to say, listen, that is the race that you're running. If you're a Christian mother, you're running the race. And what God has for you is for you to guide and train and be an example for your children. For them to be able to look at you and see what is it like to live the Christian life. Is that exhausting? Is that costly? Of course it is. And you have to look unto Jesus. It needs to be your focus. Now, verse 3, Consider him who endured uh, such hostility against himself so that you not grow weary these people are facing hostility jesus faced hostility and he's saying like get that in your mind you're going to face trouble if you live the christian life you are called to that follow him so if you're a legitimate child you will face trials and uh, know that those struggles come from your heavenly father for his glory and your good you understand that that we are to run and run with endurance you just, that, you're called to that. You're called to keep running. And then the second thing is, um, God's discipline in, in, along the way is part of what it means to endure. It's the way in which you might endure. He's going to discipline you. Um, and I think that's really important for you to see. Look at verses 4 through 7. He said, like, y'all have run the race, but you've not endured to the point of death. So you've got to keep running. You've got to keep striving. You've got to keep moving forward. And then he says, do you not realize that the Lord says that he disciplines his people? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord. That's what he does with his kids. God trains his kids to walk in a good way. God loves his kids. He is disciplining them. He's reproving them and training them in the right way. Verse 6 and 7, he disciplines the ones he loves. I mean, he chastises every son he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. Like, God is training us. Have you ever met a parent who's like, I really love my child, and so I love spoiling them. The reality is, is you don't really love your child. You love yourself. If you don't make your child do what is the right thing, if you're not teaching and training them, it's not because you love your child, it's because you love yourself. And what you want is an easy life. And what you want is somebody not to distract you from your phone. You, you, don't, you don't love your child by indulging your child. You love your child by training your children. And that's not something just for a Christian parent. That's just common, right? That's just good sense. That's just normal parenting. That, that's just normal parenting. You teach them how to become an adult that is a blessing in the world that they live in. You don't want somebody else to have to live with that monster you created. Right? And so out of love, you are training them. 
Because somebody someday is going to have to deal with that junk. And if you let that go, and they like ruin a spouse's life, and you let that go, and they raise even greater monsters, that's frightening. And so God is the ultimate picture of a father that loves his children. What does he do? Turn an eye and be like, well, they'll just do what they want. No. God loves his children. And with his love for his children, he is not blowing off his responsibility, but God is intensely focused on his responsibility. I will raise my son. And I, when we say son there, you say, what about daughters? When we're thinking in this context, we're understanding sonship is a massive theme that's, that's there. But we would say, and we, or we could say, I could say, I will raise my daughter, I will raise my son, I will raise them because they are my children. See, you notice what it says, for the Lord disciplines the ones he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. How do you know that you're a son? How do you know that? How do you know? Because God is disciplining and training you. Some of you think that I'm under God's like displeasure because I'm experiencing trouble. This verse is saying, although that in part is there, the bigger part is this, I love you so much. God is saying, I love you so much, I'm going to train you, and trouble trains you. If you were to go work out at a gym, and there was like balloons on the end of the barbell, and, you, and, and the barbell was made of plastic, and you're like working out, you're like, man, that was awesome. Look at that workout. Everybody would say, you're nuts, man. I don't... what." What kind of workout place is this? Why? Because they're saying it's the straining that grows muscles, right? It's the intensity of the workout that, that like moves you forward. And it's the same way in the Christian life. God is working you out. God sees the areas that need to be fixed in you. God sees those better than you see them. God knows where you are spiritually better than anybody here knows that you are spirit where you are spiritually and he is about training you because he loves you he loves you he has set his covenant love upon you you are his son it's not one of these things where you're like somebody that's kind of like ah, yeah i did know them once no you're a son and he is disciplining and training you and he is moving you forward and you don't endure without trouble because trouble does what? We were talking about this this week with a couple of guys. It's like, what does trouble do? It, it reorients you back. It turns you back. It, 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 it moves you back towards the Lord. It, it is the means. You could look, we're not going to be able to do this today, but James 1, 3, and 4 speak of that. Romans 5, 3 through 5 speak of that. That is a sign of God's love for us. It is not an easy road, but it is a good road. And that is what our Heavenly Father does. He is the perfect parent. 
He is preparing us through our sufferings to mature into the people that we ought to become, and ultimately that will finally lead to us being in glory. Hebrews 12, 7, and 8, it validates. This is like one author spoke of this as discipline validates our relationship to God. God is, second half of chapter of verse 7, treating you as sons. God is treating you as sons, not as an illegitimate child, not like he's walking through the streets or in a back alley knowing that's his child, but does not want to like associate with them and so he walks past and is like i don't know what's going to happen to that kid but i'm sending money to his mom it's not that kind of picture here he is saying you're in the family i have brought you in i have expectations for you i want the best for your future not just presently earthly future not just like so that you'll be rich and happy and have all the stuff I want what is best for you spiritually I am going to lead you there it is going to be costly in the present because what comes behind the present is so far exceeds what you see now I'm moving you that way I'm doing things for you that are for your good eternally not just temporally some parents and and it's not they don't mean to do this but they are so centered on ensuring that their children on this earth have everything that they did not have that they forget that what they really want is not so their children living in the biggest house and having the most money that's really not what they want a christian parent's focus is that they want their children to be prepared for glory. They want them to live a godly life. They want them to pursue holiness. They want them to live for the Lord. They want them to know Him. And so, yes, are they going to be training them in earthly matters? Of course, so that they can bless people? Of course. But their focus here should be, our focus should be like God. And that we want what is best for our children's good, both in this life and the one to come. Verse 9. Our response should be this. If you respected an earthly father who led you and guided you towards the right things, towards maturing, how much more your heavenly Father. That, that's who is guiding you in the highest and most holy way. Verse 10 and 11, we see it is for our good. Like all the trouble, all the difficulty, all the training, all the times where you're like, oh my goodness, has God forgotten me? Has He forgotten me? All those moments that you have and I have where I'm like, did He forget? Like, am I really His child? All, all of that, when, I mean, all of us face at some point and some time in our life, sometimes when we're trying to cast off a sin, sometimes when we're just weighed down by the sin and trouble and difficulty of this world, we're all there at times. We have to come to that realization is, I'm His child, He disciplines those He loves, He is moving me towards and conforming me towards 
the image of his son. It is not always pleasant. There is nobody here that is like sought to do something of any kind of, uh, of, of greatness, you might say, or any good thing, any good endeavor that hasn't said, you know what, in the moment, that was horrible at times. But ultimately, it, it yielded something. There was this moment where I really realized, like, all of that work. I climbed this mountain, and when I looked out at the, the scenery, I realized on top of that mountain, to be able to look out across this whole landscape, it was worth every step. And I think for us, sometimes we say, hey, it is painful, it is difficult, but it was worth every step. And that's what the Christian life is. You run with endurance. You know God's disciplining you. You know He has purpose. You know He's conforming you to the image of His Son, and you can trust Him. Now, the last few verses here teach us that in endurance and discipline produce righteousness. What does He say? I love the picture here in verse 12. Therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint but rather be healed what's he saying man there you know in a marathon runners uh, in the run i guess you could say uh, when you read about marathon runners which i'm not the 18th mile and beyond is just they talk about how difficult it is so you get to mile 18, and it is just like, I, I don't know if I can go forward. And that's when it's one of those things where you're like, uh, I'm sure at that moment you have drooping hands and weak knees. You think, I can't go another step. And it's like you have to kind of get in this rhythm of one more step, one more step. Some of you right now in the race that you are running, you're like, I don't have enough energy for one more step. And I would say, no. You take by faith one more step. And you take by faith one more step. And you keep taking steps and you trust that God in His infinite wisdom is, is, is working out things in your life and He's disciplining you. And hopefully by faith you're saying, Lord, I know that you brought this into my life. I'm just going to take one more step by faith. I can trust you to light my path one step Further. And so in putting off your sin and putting off the things that are kind of like taking you away from the things that you're focused on, you set your eyes on Jesus and you take the next step. And you every once in a while, you in the in the rear, I mean in the uh, peripheral vision, you will see the saints of old moving forward by faith. So verses 14 through 17, you keep pursuing holiness strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the lord what's he saying he is saying you are facing trouble don't cause trouble in this world don't be one of those people who are constantly attacking what's going on in this world you are not someone who is like striving for this age you strive for peace with everyone he says that over and over he says it in romans 12 17 to 19 titus 3 1 and 2 you strive for peace and for the holiness which without which you will not see the lord you just have to know 
that running the race to the end, that pursuing the Lord to the end, that is the road to salvation. That is the way. It is the eternal reward in focus here. You will not see the Lord if you are not trained by the Father. If you do not run the race. The life of faith is a habitual life of faith. It is a continual life of faith. It is a persevering faith. You will run all the way. So God will discipline you. He will guide you. He's going to train you. He is holding on to you. But you had better run the race. God is the perfect trainer, and he is doing that. with You know, there's trainers out there that have a, a reason to train you. Maybe you give them money. Maybe they're a coach, whatever. But God set his covenant love on you. He said, you are my son. And then he says, I'm going to raise you up. God is more committed to you than you are to him. So run the race. And you have to run it to the very end. God is striving to make you holy in every way. Now, last couple of things here. In verses 15 through 17, I'm just going to hit a couple of things for you. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. No bitterness kind of rises up in you. That you don't become defiled. That you're not sexually immoral. You strive for holiness and you put off all of those sins. Don't be like Esau who sold out. Run all the way. Strive to pursue him to the very end. And so as we conclude today, as I think about all of this, I just you just got to get to that place where you rehearse this in your mind. God has called me. God is, has said, you are my son. God is guiding me. And he does so by training me because he loves me. And training's going to be troublesome and it's going to be exhausting, but he is doing all of that training to get you to the end. He will not allow your lazy spiritual tail to continue in like dragging around. If you're his child, he is going to be pushing you towards holiness, conforming you to the image of his son, and we need to embrace that and throw off anything that gets in the way. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We ask for a heart to live for your glory, for the good of your people, all the days of our life. We pray we would run together for the sake of the prize. In Christ's name, amen.